Holiday Connect, Merry Christmas. As we approach the high holiday of Christmas, we want each week to bring a Christmas carol to life. We want to bring meaning into the moments of Christmas. And each week we've been doing through this entire series, Songs of the Savior, just that. Today's Christmas carol is entitled, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. This is actually the oldest Christmas carol. History records that it was written between the 8th and the 12th century, a long, long time ago, probably written by a priest or a monk. We actually don't know who the writer really was. But what we do know about this song is that each uh, day, seven days before Christmas, there would be these phrases, these verses that actually kind of foretold certain revelations about the Messiah's coming. And each day, seven days before Christmas, they would either sing or chant these particular verses. And they all started with the letter O. They were known as the O antiphons or the great antiphons. And out of this particular experience came this song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. The focus of our message today is going to be on a key word in that song. I bet you can guess what it is. It's Emmanuel. God with us. Come on, everybody out there. Let's just say God with us. Come on, say it. God with us. God is with us. He is for us. He'll always be there for us. God is with us. Have you ever prayed God be with us in a certain situation? I bet you have. I know as a family, when we go on a traveling trip, get on a plane, my wife and I, we always lay our hands on the plane and we say, God, be with us. Be with us in our travels. Be with our possessions. Be with all of our plans from here to there. Be with all the people and persons that are on this plane and especially our family. Be with us, God. Sometimes you pray, God, be with us when you're getting ready to go on a road trip. Maybe from here to whatever, Schenectady, the North Pole. And you pray as your family gets into the car, God, be with us. I pray these little rugrats in human form do not fight and bicker the whole time there. And I pray that I don't kill them before we get there. Sometimes you pray, God be with us. Sometimes you pray, God be with us, you know, as you go, ladies, to go shopping. You say, God, be with me. Help me to find a parking space. Help me to get the best line and do a better job than Pastor D. Help me to get the best bargain in Jesus' name. And some of you women, you pray like the Holy Ghost and fire for those bargains to come. Some of you pray, God be with me. When I'm set up on a blind date, somebody sets you up on a blind date and you're praying, God, please be with me. I pray this guy is not a psychopath stalker with hallelujahtosis. I mean halitosis. He doesn't have bad breath. God, I pray that you're with me on this. Sometimes you pray, God, students, be with me in these exams I'm about to take. Help me to recall the information divinely under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the things that I didn't study. As I wave my hand over this book, may it just pull into my brain and help it come out at the right time. We pray, I know that's kind of silly, but we do pray that God is with us. And I want you to know that God wants to be with you. Listen to what it says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And it says this, and I'll try to get there quick. And it says, And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. God wants to come into all of your situations and help you through those. But he actually wants to come in to save your life from those even being able to happen in the first place. He wants to prevent those. He wanted to save you from the destruction from yourself. God came into the world. 
in human form to be with us, to help us overcome this crazy nuts world that we're in right now. And for centuries, people prayed that a Messiah would come to save the world, that God in human form would be with us. I want you to today experience a revelation about Emmanuel. I hope that you enjoy this classic rendition of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Tell you what, we got some talent in the house. Our next series is entitled, This is the Voice. <laughs> <laughs>
We've got some serious voices in our church. Good morning, everybody. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Pastor Derek, and I want to welcome you to Connect. If you can get your worship guides out, you can follow along with us in our series, Songs of the Savior, or you can follow along in version as well. Um, the worship guide is in there. Some exciting stuff coming up in the new year. I'll just quickly plug a couple of things. Uh, number one, I think you guys heard we have a new website. Um, please check that out. Uh, December 29th, uh, right there, probably about 7 a.m. that morning, we'll have um, a message uh, for the whole church. So we're really kind of encouraging church at home on December 29th. We're kind of different as a church in that way. A lot of times people are staying um, open on the last part of the year uh, for financial reasons. Um, that's the honest truth. That's a lot, a lot of the reasons why pastors keep churches open the last Sunday of the year is because they're afraid they won't have enough money. And um, so they do it for that reason instead of being home with their families. And so we just really want to encourage families to be home and be with, the, you know, be with loved ones and spend extra time together. One of our values, uh, faith, family, and friends. And uh, just important that you guys kind of slow it down and uh, connect with each other and make sure that um, we're having some quality time together. And we're, we believe God and trust God with the finances. Amen? Amen. So um, there's that. What else I'm going to tell you? Uh, the, the service itself will um, be a kind of a, I'm going to title it Daily Bread. And so I'm going to get you guys ready for kind of a journey in the new year to go through the Bible in a year as a church. Um, and I've been wanting to do this for several years. And finally, we have the the technology to support the idea. So we have a, uh, a devotional that you can do every single day, but we also have a one-year reading plan that you can do. And so we're encouraging on January 1st everybody to start together and do the Bible together. We'll promote it every Sunday uh, for 52 weeks, but I'll also be kind of letting your church know where we are or maybe where we could be, should be, uh, through Twitter and Facebook as well so that you guys can all just jump on board. If you get behind, you just catch up. Don't worry about it. It's not a it's not a duty, it's a delight, it's not a got to, it's a get to, amen? So really excited about that, just want to make sure you're aware. And then Christmas Eve, uh, coming up in two days, we have a service on 3.30 and 5, as I already mentioned. What I want to say about that, this is an awesome opportunity to invite friends and, and neighbors and family and, uh, you, know, um, you know, people that need Jesus real bad. You know what I'm saying? Because Christmas Eve, I am going to preach the walls, the paint off the walls, Okay. So I'm just telling you, I don't brag very often. Well, maybe too much, but uh, I mean, if you don't praise me, I'll praise myself. Uh, just kidding. It's a joke, really. <laughs> but seriously, Christmas Eve, just a great gospel message for your friends. It'll be very relevant. Uh, it'll be fun and life-giving, but I'm telling you, please get, get your loved ones here at 3.30 and 5 o'clock. You know, we got to partner up. You, there's things maybe that we can do or I can say that you don't know how to say, but I don't know the people you know, and we can just partner up on Christmas Eve. Amen? Amen. Is that cool? All right, let's continue, though. We're, uh, we're in a series, and this is the third installment of the series. Today's song is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and the goal has been, as mentioned previously, to kind of bring meaning to the moments of Christmas. And we sing these songs, and we love uh, these Christmas carols, and, you know, you got your Bing Crosby going, and you got your... You know, different uh, people that you like to hear. Uh, so I can mention some different names, but it would be controversial. Justin Bieber and the like. And, uh, and you, like, you like listening to those kind of people sing those things. But sometimes we just don't know what it's all about, what's going on behind the scenes. And so the goal has been to kind of bring meaning to Christmas. And I want to say this about Christmas real quick. There's this constant challenge 
of an attempt to change this holiday into something that it's not. And, and I want to boldly declare that this, this holiday is about Jesus' birth. And I want to say Merry Christmas this morning to everybody. Amen? This is about the birth of Christ. He's the reason for the season, and we're celebrating Christ's birth. There's actually, in Christmas, there's actually two words. There's Christ, and there's mass, or if, if you like the Spanish version, mas. I like mas fuego in the services. More fire. Anyway, uh, but no, it's not, that, it's not that rendition. It's the Latin. It basically means celebration. So it's a celebration of Christ. That's what really Christmas is all about. So we're going to talk about two truths that kind of bring meaning to Christmas, make it come alive. I, I'd ask you, you pray for me as we kind of go through the service today because um, it's like Christmas and Easter are two of the big challenges. It's like, how do you say the same thing different? You know what I mean? You guys know what's coming, right? I mean, you kind of, you got to have an idea. It's going to only, it's going to only be around so many different things. And so that's always the challenge is to try to kind of get some fresh bread out of this whole thing. But I am going to talk about two truths that we need firmly established in our lives uh, as Christians, but also during the Christmas holiday. And I'm going to first read from Matthew chapter one. Um, And if you want to join me, you can in your Bibles, your, your, your phones, your smartphones, they're even smarter now because they have the Bible in them. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says this, speaking of the birth of Christ, it says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she, found, uh, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. That's kind of an underline or circle, through the Holy Spirit, very key. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Uh, kind of understand what's going on there. It just, you know, he hadn't been with her, and so he's, she's pregnant. What's going on? They didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit at that time. Verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, um, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Another circle, underlined section, what is conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, she'll give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. This is referring back to Isaiah, which we'll reference in a second. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. God with us. Now you can turn, if you're interested, to Isaiah chapter 7, and I'm going to be reading from uh, verses 10 to 14. Now, what's awesome about Isaiah, Isaiah is a prophet. He's known as one of the major prophets. Uh, there are more messianic prophecies, prophecy, prophecies that foretold of the Messiah's coming in Isaiah than any other book in the Bible. This particular um, uh, prophecy was 740 years before the birth of Christ. What makes uh, Christianity amongst um, all the other major religions of the world so, to me, um, inviting, intriguing, and uh, brings conviction to our faith is that there were things that were spoken of in advance that actually came to be. There are actually hundreds of prophecies that have already been fulfilled. This is just one of those spoken of in Isaiah. Are you guys tracking with me? Yes or no? Good. So this is, uh, this is one of those. Isaiah chapter 7, uh, verse 10, it says this. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask the Lord God for a sign, whether in the deepest steps or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Sounds really, really... Uh, spiritual. 
Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David, it is not enough to try the patience of men. Will you also try the patience of my God? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Who will give him a sign? The Lord will. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call his name Emmanuel. Again, the Matthew, Matthew rendering is an Old Testament quotation taken from Isaiah chapter 7. So here's what's going on here in this particular text in Isaiah 7. Uh, kind of a little background information that will help you maybe appreciate uh, some of the happenings here, but then also help us unpack the two big truths I want to give you today. Um, Ahaz is uh, the king of Judah. Israel is kind of broken, broken into two pieces at this time, and he's not a godly king, not at all, matter of fact. And at this time, Syria is attacking or besieging uh, uh, Israel, Judah, and they're, it's under attack, and it looks like um, it can be taken, and it's kind of imminent, but Isaiah tells him, that is Ahaz, that God is going to protect the people, and you can read in the full context of that chapter 7 what's going on there if you read it, and then, then God says to Ahaz uh, through Isaiah, ask me for a sign. You don't get that very often. Um, there's a place in Malachi where God says, test me. There's not many places where you see God say, ask me for a sign. But he says that, ask me for a sign. And Ahaz says in reply, no, I wouldn't do that. I, I won't test God. Or I won't, depending on the translation that you're using, test or tempt or kind of interchangeable. I won't tempt God. Or I won't test God in that way. And it sounds really spiritual at first. And that's why it's so good to have uh, sometimes not just a... Um, uh, a translation that only translates thoughts, but sometimes you have to see the word-for-word translation, and sometimes you have to see the, the meanings behind the words because they're a little deeper, or sometimes the history behind the words uh, because you can see what's really going on at the time. And really what's happening here in this word uh, test and tempt here is he's really not um, saying something spiritual at all. In fact, he's actually making a deal with the Assyrians at this very time and what he's, what he's doing is he's preparing to sell uh, his own people as slaves to save himself. So as this is taking place, he's saying, I wouldn't test God, I wouldn't tempt God. What he's really saying is not that I won't test God, I won't tempt God. He's saying, I don't trust God. Are you guys tracking with me? And so in the middle of that, Isaiah, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, brings this prophecy, this messianic prophecy, and says to them, uh, a virgin will conceive a son by the Holy Spirit, and you'll call him Emmanuel, for he will be God with us. All right? So here's, that's kind of the background. Now, the sign is, is maybe a little bit uh, more difficult for me to explain. I, hopefully I can do it pretty well. But the sign that King Ahaz is basically this. Again, this is happening hundreds of years before the birth of Christ. But he's saying this, uh, Ahaz, you are of the house of David. Now, that is significant, not just the, the, because it's saying you are the lineage of, of Christ. There is a particular line, uh, a lineage of people, and you're of that line. And in that line, the Messiah is promised to come. So as a result, nothing in an ultimate sense can really ba- bad can happen to you. Nothing really can take you out in an ultimate sense. Are you tracking with me? And so the Messiah, the promise is the Messiah is going to be coming from your house. The sign is that because the Messiah hasn't come yet, there's, there, there's therefore no way anything could happen to you, really no way an enemy could ultimately defeat you because he hasn't come yet, but he's going to. In a similar sense, th- let me say this, um, um, 
He's saying, you're a people of promise. We used to sing this song when I was a kid. I am a promise. I am a possibility. I am a promise. And we used to sing, with a capital P. I am a great big bundle of potentiality. And I am learning, oh, to hear God's voice. And I am trying mm, to make the right choice. I'm a promise to be anything God wants. I'm a promise to be, with the answers in the back, anything God wants me. I'm a promise to be anything God wants me to be. Anyway. I got to get one in every service. <laughs> My dad wanted to do it with me so bad. I could see him back there. He's like tapping his foot and slapping. Silly. Anyway, <laughs> I learned that from him, so you can blame it all on him if you didn't like that. But he's basically saying, you're a, you're a bundle of potentiality. You don't realize what's getting ready to come. Nothing bad can happen to you. You're a promise. And the promise of the Messiah is coming that makes you uh, have a plan and a purpose and a hope and a future. Much what Israel, uh, Isaiah is saying to the people here is much like what God spoke through Jeremiah that I have a plan and a purpose for you as an individual that we know in the New Testament applies to us. Do you understand? The same thing he was saying privately, he was saying corporately to this people, okay? So listen to me carefully. This same promise applies to us today. In other words, you are the people of God. When the enemy comes in, you can basically say to him, you, can, you can't get me because I'm a child of God. I'm of the lineage of the house of David. God has a purpose and a plan for my life. Whatever you're trying to do, it cannot be thwarted ultimately because I'm of the house of David. I am of, I am of Christ's descent. Okay, are you tracking with me? And so you might win a battle now and then, but you definitely ain't going to win the war. That ain't good English, but it's good preaching, okay? So... Here, here's how that all applies, and let's just get, it's like a funnel. It just keeps on going. So there's these two truths that come out of all this that I want you to see. Number one, essential truth about God being with us. What does that mean? What is that like? First thing is I want to personalize this because Christmas can be so generalized and so um, minimized that sometimes it doesn't apply to us personally. So personalize this. Number one, I believe in the virgin birth. If you believe that, say, I believe in the virgin birth. Many don't think this is that important anymore, and sometimes it's kind of just, a, it's an oversight. Yeah, 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 the virgin birth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we, we believe the Holy Spirit came on Mary. That's awesome. Um, this is a big deal. Here, here's why it is, because since Jesus was born of a virgin, it means he was fully God when he was here on earth. He was fully God while he was here on earth. Matthew 1.18 says this. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother was pledged to be married to Joseph before they came together. That should, should be able to do the math on that. Before they came together, okay, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, through the Holy Spirit. So, verse 20. But after you consider this, Joseph, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, hey, son of David, pay attention. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. That must have been one interesting night for Joseph, you know? And because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
Do, do you realize that there's, there's an incredible attack? You may not be conscious of it sometimes. It's very systemic. It is very, uh, it's like the waves of the, of the seashore. You don't see it all the time, but it's eroding, eroding, eroding the belief systems and the doctrines of Orthodox Christianity to take away some of the foundations and elementary teachings of Scripture. This is one of those, and it's been going on for centuries. But trying to make uh, this particular doctrine uh, obsolete. But he was born... Uh, of a virgin by the Holy Spirit. Because if he wasn't, then he wasn't God when he was here. The only way he could be God is if he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. I know this is probably like, I know, I get it, but maybe it just needs to be said a couple different ways. He was God here on earth. Emmanuel means God with us. He was not a, it wasn't a representative that God sent. That's pretty, think about how personal the God that we serve is. He didn't send some, have you ever sent somebody in your stead? Have you ever wanted to send somebody in your stead to something? You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to go, I want to send somebody else. Like, ever had a tough assignment and you didn't want to do it yourself? You know? We should never ask somebody to do something that we wouldn't do or are not willing to do ourselves. That's a good leader. Jesus was, God the Father was a good leader. He, 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 Jesus was a good leader. He didn't, he didn't send somebody else. He did this himself. God himself. And this is so important for this, this doctrine also because um, you've heard the, the scripture that says that the iniquities of the father are visited down to the third and fourth generation. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that before, that idea. This is speaking of like the sin nature specifically. It's also speaking of also generational curses. If you don't know what a generational curse is, uh, you know, uh, I, I say this um, as more as... Um, just take it or leave it, basically. But look at the Kennedys. You want to see a family that's just been cursed? Just look at the Kennedys. This is Kennedy country, right? Look at what's happened year, year after year after year after year. Sometimes that goes way back to an original sin. And because of that sin, it's affected people for decades and even hundreds of years after, which I could unpack for you at another time in another place. But the point is, if, if Jesus was not God here, then he would be here with a sinful nature. And that sinful nature would be passed on generationally to us. But instead, we are able to get and receive by faith through Jesus Christ a new nature. This is better preaching than you're responding right now. That's all I'm saying. But uh, so here's what's going on. The iniquities of the Father. You know, uh, there's a difference between iniquity, by the way, is, um, well, sin is an act Iniquity is a habit. In Acts chapter 8, it talks about, uh, there's a scripture there's somewhere in there, it says, poisoned by bitterness, bound by iniquity. See, so, so we don't receive the bondage of iniquity because of what Jesus did for us. That's awesome. That's awesome. Powerful. But the Bible uses uh, words like that. But anyway, it, uh, you know, if you're... Some of you are trying to connect the dots on this, but, you know, think about the, the sins of the father passed down through many generations. You know, some of you mothers are going, well, that explains a lot. I mean, look at him. It didn't say mothers, right? It said fathers. Some of the mothers are going, yep, that makes a lot of sense to me because I can see him and I can see him in him and her. That's funny. Anyway, uh, but the point is God came to earth in the form of a man. God actually used the egg of a woman, but the seed came from God. That's really what's going on there. He was conceived by a seed from God. 
but therefore he did not have a sinful nature. And it's important to believe in the virgin birth because it helps us to know that while he was here, he was God. He was God. He was and is fully God. I think this is your notes. He, in other words, he wasn't a messenger from God. He was God with a message. He was God with a message. And the greatest gift that God the Father could give us was that Jesus came to earth himself. I heard a preacher speak from the most famous passage of Scripture in all the Bible, John chapter 3, verse 16. You'll see it plastered on TV screens today for the football game. And, and some people don't even know what it's up there for, and you know, they think it's a code to their locker. Or who knows? I don't know what they think. But John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life or eternal life. I heard this preacher teach it like this. Listen to this. This is so cool. He said, this is... This is Breaking the gospel into pieces so you can see it crystal clear, so you can see the gift of what Jesus is for us. It says, For God, the greatest lover, so loved the greatest degree, the world, the greatest company, that he gave the greatest act, his only begotten Son, the greatest gift, that whosoever, the greatest opportunity, believes the greatest simplicity, in him the greatest attraction, should not perish the greatest promise, but the greatest difference, have the greatest certainty, everlasting life, the greatest possession. Amen? Well, that preacher, what? Man, I could do a whole message on that one. Someday I will. But here's the thing you need to know about God, the greatest gift, is that he was with us. He didn't just sit up there and watch this whole thing go up in turmoil. He came down here to help mitigate, navigate, show us how to do it, give us an example that we could follow, as we talked about just a couple of weeks ago. He didn't send someone to redeem us. He came himself to redeem us. I was talking to a friend of mine a while back who was in law enforcement, chief in law enforcement. And I was talking to him about how people sometimes come, uh, must come to you and ask you to fix tickets. Anybody know what I'm talking about there? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. You know, and so in, and basically has people come to him and say, hey, you know, uh, you know, chief, can you, got, can you, can you, uh, can we talk? You know, can we have a cup of coffee? No, you don't have time for that? Okay, I just got something I want to say. Uh, would you be able to help me out with, uh, you know, slip this thing across, pink slip thing here? Can you help me? Can you? You know, and what, what, what we're expecting based on the relational equity we have is that he'll say, yeah, I'll take care of that for you. I'll take care of that for you. And so he, so he had a buddy do this with him, and he said, yeah, you know, um, I got it. I got it. And so he circles back uh, a couple days later and says, hey, chief, were you able to take care of that ticket? And uh, the chief says, um, I, I, I did. Uh, he, what, what, is it all set? He goes, yeah, I paid it. The guy was taken back. He says, what do you mean you paid it? I didn't, I, I didn't want you to pay for it. I wanted you to just take care of it. I mean, I just wanted you to kind of wave your hand over that thing and just kind of poof, you know, just kind of do your magic thing, Mr. Chief. Can you do that? And, and he says, no, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't dismiss it. I paid it. I, 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 didn't, I didn't want you to pay for that, Chief. I didn't want you to go that way. I wanted, I wanted you to do it differently. And the Chief said to him, were you guilty? To which the guy said, well, well, yeah, yeah, I was, I was guilty. And he says, well, then justice demanded a payment. And as a righteous chief, I had to do what was right. I had to fulfill justice. There was a penalty for what you did, and it had to be paid for. And so, as your friend, I paid for it. Now, I hope you can see the connection and the correlation here where we're going. Many people miss 
what God did for us altogether. They miss, maybe minimize or marginalize it because many people think that God, a righteous judge, just dismissed it, ripped it up and just made it go away. No, he didn't do that. He didn't do that at all. No, he paid the penalty for you. He paid the penalty for me, thank Jesus. He is a righteous God. He's a righteous God. And it's very important to believe in the virgin birth because it helps us to understand that God himself is with us. Can I have an amen out there? And that God himself didn't just take care of things. He paid for things once and for all. And that price required his life. And Jesus had to be fully God to fully pay for the price for me and for you. The next truth is this. Number two, I believe that Jesus came in the flesh. Everybody say, in the flesh. <laughs> we believe in, I believe in the virgin birth, and I believe that Jesus came in the flesh. In the same way that there's a war raging against the doctrine of the virgin birth, there's also one against whether he came in the flesh. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, was saying to his own followers, who do men say that I am? And they had all different kinds of responses. Some people say you're this, and some people say you're that. Some people say you're a good man, you're a prophet. And some people say you're this guy and that guy. And, and this is the same today. This is the same debate, the same argument uh, that they had back then. They're having now, and they say the same thing. Some, some religions say Jesus was a prophet. Some religions say Jesus was a good man, some kind of a, a great teacher. He was this or he was that. The answer today is the same as it was yesterday, today, and forever. It's the same today as it was back then. It's the same answer that Peter gave Jesus. And when Jesus, when he, Jesus asked the question, Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, You know what? Flesh and blood hasn't revealed that unto you, but my Father which is in heaven revealed that to you. We all need a revelation personally at Christmas time that Jesus was born of the virgin birth and that Jesus came in the flesh. He came in the flesh, amen? The answer today is the same. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. This is the Word, by the way, is speaking of Jesus. This was Jesus' office. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's the first truth, that Jesus was God. And verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I love the... the, the the correlation between Jesus and truth, but I love also the correlation between Jesus and grace, and that actually that grace and truth can coexist. They're actually married together. The, 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 you really don't have one work well without the other. You have truth without grace, and you have people bludgeoned. You have people messed up. If you just give people truth, that's what those Christians out there with the white picket fences outside, you know, picketing this and picketing that do. True, 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 true. What, they're not getting anything done. They're just polarizing and ostracizing and, and insulating uh, the gospel from being able to change people's lives with the more important issues. Are you tracking with me? Because it's just supposed truth, you know, majoring in the minors, as it were. Then you sometimes you have no truth and you have just grace, 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 grace. Anything goes. Anything goes. You've heard me talk about your, your tolerance people and then your truth terrorists. You've got your extreme people over here. And they just, you know, they see truth like a sword. The Bible calls it a sword. A sword can save lives or a sword can, can crucify people, right? Grace is so important. But to have grace as it relates to relationship with God, you have to embrace the prickly truth that we're sinners that need a Savior. 
There's nobody, I would, you know, I did senior life saving. My mom made me take swimming lessons when I was a kid from, I don't know, knee high to a grasshopper, a Ford or something. And I can remember going through all those things. But as a lifeguard, nobody gets saved that doesn't admit they're drowning. In fact, anybody that's out there struggling in the water that doesn't finally surrender and submit is not going to get saved. In fact, if you're a lifeguard and you're out there and you're trying to save them and they start coming in on you, trying to climb up on you and take control, you're told to do one of two things, pull back or punch them in the face. Something like that. That's my translation of what we, what we were taught. Hey, I was a kid. I was a kid. I didn't, that's, that's how I took it. So, you know, either you're going you're gonna to either submit, surrender, and follow me, or you're going to go ahead and try to save yourself. Nobody gets saved that doesn't realize they need to be saved. So it's really important that, you, that there's a full surrender to that. That's the truth. That, that, when you embrace that truth and you can receive the full graces, you know what? You don't have to do anything to save yourself. You just, you just had to accept that I, that I saved you, that, I, that, I, that I'm the one that rescued you. I'm the one that gets the credit for that, not you. Abraham was really saved because he believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness because he believed God. That was a type of salvation in the Old Testament. We believe that God took care of everything for us. That's credited to us as righteousness. It makes us in right standing with God. Are you guys tracking with me? So truth and grace. Jesus came in the flesh to come here and show us what truth and grace looks like. And the church is supposed to model truth and grace. And what happens a lot of times is the, mo- the church models a lot of what they think is truth, and they model way too much grace, 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 and the church is rendered ineffective and powerless, and nobody's lives are changed, and we're inoculated. People are, leave inoculated from change, and they don't want any more of it, and they certainly don't want to give it away. You know why? Because it didn't work. It didn't work. This is good preaching. I'm having a good time this morning on some of this stuff. I don't know if you guys are getting all this, but he came in the flesh to show us that. In 1 John 4, 2, it says, By this you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And it goes on to say it's like an antichrist. It makes these powerful contrasts. 2, Timothy, 2 John excuse me, 1, 7 says, For many a deceiver have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. The scriptures are trying to make this really, really important in our lives as a believer. So if you're a believer, you call upon the name of the Lord, you are saved, you are now a believer. All right? But believers put someone to put their faith, their hope, and trust. They've transferred trust from me saving myself to Jesus saved me. When you've done that, this is an important doctrine for you to have in your life. as foundational. Why is it so important? Because he was fully God, he was fully man. We studied this in seven. He was very God, a very man. Very, you know, he was both God and, and man in one, incarnate. Because if he did not become a man, then he really didn't die. And if he didn't die, then our sins were never atoned for. Because only a perfect sacrifice could atone for our sins. Only a sinless life could atone. Atonement means to be at one with God. We were separated from God by our sins, so God the Father didn't know what to do about it, so he had a master plan to send his son to atone for our sins. Only God the Son, the Son of God, could do that for us. If he didn't become a man, then he didn't die, and if he didn't die, then our sins are not atoned for, and we are yet in our sins. We are condemned. He didn't condemn us. We were condemned already, according to John chapter 3, verse 17. Jesus didn't come to the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. Amen? Hebrews 2, 14, and that was a lot of Bible. Can you handle it? 
Hebrews 2.14 says, Because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood by being born in a human form. This is sometimes known as the principle of identification. We always want somebody, this is what I hear a lot of times in counseling, and I've sat front row with a lot of different situations. This is what counselors hear all the time. They all, people, when they, when, they, when they want to reject what you're saying, which you can save their life and help them, this is a typical response sometimes is, you just don't understand because you didn't go through what I went through. Do you understand? And you know what I say to that? So what I want to say is, come over here just for a second here. <laughs> but, I, but I don't. I'm really, I'm really nice. I'm really nice. Oh, I'm so, yeah, right, yeah. But, 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 there's, but there's also a spiritual response, all right, to that is, what do you want? You're saying that for you to be helped, I have to go through all the sin and mistakes and, and stumbling blocks that you did? And for you to help me, I, I, you have to experience all the stupid things that I've done? That's crazy. Here's the point. Jesus went through it all for us. Hebrews 4.15 says, Jesus was tempted, tried, tested at all points because he was God, born of a virgin, came in the flesh at all points, just as we are, yet without sin. In other words, he never crossed the line. The one that we identify with is not the one who failed and, and, and overcame, though that can be very, very helpful. The best people to learn from are the people that never failed, never crossed the line, but were faced the line and overcame it. Are you guys getting what I'm saying? This is a big deal. And so you, it's, the enemy comes in to twist truth so that you think you have to actually experience sin. That's like people saying, well, I have to have this experience sexually before I get married because then I won't know what good sex is like. Trust me, that's ridiculous. Trust me, it just messes you up even more. Well, the world says, you know, you, you got you to you know, you have a road test before you actually drive that car. It don't work out so well. That car, you don't, you don't want to drive that car. Or there'll be some problems with that car. Your car, their car, and there's a lot of repairs to be done. Trust me on that one. That's what God's saying to you and I. He was tempted at all points just so we are yet without sin. So then he goes on. Back to the scripture, Pastor. Come on, can you stay with the notes? Uh, For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break, this is the point I wanted to get to, could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. All right, now he's getting doom and gloom here. Where's he going with this? Only, Only in... See, one of our greatest fears in life is death. So one of the reasons Jesus came, Jesus is so, is so less concerned about our, our creature comforts at Christmas time. He's interested in our character. What I mean by that is he's interested in the long run. This life, if, if there was a garden hose and I, and I ripped it down the, the aisle here and I put a little scratch on the garden hose, that's our life against the backdrop of eternity. God is eternal. And he's always looking at a much bigger picture than you and I. He wants to make sure we are together forever. He wants us to focus on not on what is seen, but what is unseen. What is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal, and that's God's focus. And so his primary focus is on us being in relationship with him. But the thing that can keep us out of relationship with him is if death is final. If death is final. And you need to know that Jesus came, born of the virgin, God himself, in the flesh to be with us, to break the power of death over our life. Every one of us will face death unless the Lord tarries first, and I hope he does. But it's important to know that my Lord faced death, and your Lord faced death, and he broke the power of, uh, of it in our lives. He suffered. He, he was scorched. He was battered, bruised, 
beaten, mocked, insulted, ultimately died. Praise the Lord. He overcame death and he rose on the third day. And because of that, we can overcome in this life as well. Amen. Amen. It changes everything because of what he did. But you can't have the right ending unless you have the right beginning. If it has a bad start, it has a bad finish. And so he had to start as God, born of the, of the virgin, by the Holy Spirit, come in the flesh and live this life and navigate it, a sinless sacrifice, do all that he did and overcome. If he didn't start right, it didn't finish right. And I want you to know it did start right and it did finish right. And because of that, we can have a confidence, not that we won't be afraid of death. Let me give you this analogy. I was telling this in the first service. When my, when my, my daughter Mallory's home uh, for, for Christmas, and I was thinking about when she was a little girl, she used to be a little scared of the dark. Actually, all my kids were a little scared of the dark. Not so much Devin. He was a big boy. <laughs> but I used to go in their room to reassure them. But I used to kind of reassure them with, with me, not realizing they needed to be more like God than me. So I learned that over time. But I used to go in, and Mallory still kind of has magical powers over her father, but she would always try to keep me there longer because she wasn't quite confident enough yet that everything was going to be okay. And I'd already checked the closet. See, honey, no monsters in here. And I looked under her bed, no monsters under there. And at three or four years old, she could somehow get me to stay longer. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I'll rub your back, you know. She'd tell me one more, just so I'm getting ready to go out the door, Daddy, I love you. And tell me one more nice thing. And, you know, you're so handsome or something like that. Can you stay a little longer? Oh, well, maybe I could just stay a little bit longer. You know, I'd come back in. How am I going to get out of here? You know, how can I reassure her? You know, I'm stronger than any monster, you know, that there ever lived. And now that didn't work. It just kept coming back. And at some point in time, I got to the point where I was, I, you know, I coined kind of this phrase, you know, where, honey, you may be afraid, but you're not in danger. See, what Jesus did, I, I'm not, a, because of Jesus, for, for, this could be, hopefully it's true for you. It's true for me. I'm not afraid of death. I might be, I don't like getting dead. You get what I'm saying? Like, I don't like that process. I hope it's short, sweet, you know, just take me out, you know, quick. You know what I mean? But actually death, Jesus overcame death. I'm no longer afraid of death. It makes you live life completely differently when you're no longer afraid of death. And so because of what Jesus did, we don't have to be afraid any longer because he came in human form and he overcame the power of death. Everyone's going to go through death's door at some point. I heard about this guy who got an email from his friend and the friend said, my wife is at death's doorway and my doctor is doing his best to pull her through. Just think about that for a second. Probably not the right use of words there. Jesus overcame death. He's not trying to pull us through. He's trying to get us over it. He, he, he became a man. And if you think about this, Jesus became a man. It's tough to watch someone you love suffer and die. And I say that because I know at Christmas time, people are going through stuff. I hear about it. It's like the phone rings off the hook. The needs, it just, it, they're all amped up right now. The last service just, you know, uh, you just tell you a tough story. It's just, it's just, it's tough. People are going through that. And, and what I, you know, what I say is, you know, that Jesus understands what you're going through because he came in the flesh, because he suffered and died. He understands. He empathizes with us. He sympathizes. He, he doesn't sympathize. He empathizes with us. That's powerful. When you weep, he weeps. When you cry, he cries. He cries. He, he, he's, he's there with you. This is a cursed world. He didn't cause all this stuff. It's a fallen world. People 
things go wrong because of the fact that it's a broken, fallen world because of original sin. Sometimes our own sin, our own choices cause these things to happen. And sometimes it's the enemy. He hates us and he attacks us. All right? But God came, Emmanuel, to be with us, to help us through these situations. I wrote a song a long time ago. Uh, the Holy Spirit gave it to me. I can't take any credit for it, but it was called How Great Is Your Love. And it talks about it, this one line. It says, Father and Son, you've given so much. See, both Father and Son gave a lot. I don't know about you, but it's, qu- it's questionable who gave more. Jesus gave his life, but the Father gave his Son. These, th- this, there was complete and total buy-in to this. But God knew he would rise again. And I told this person just recently, you know, um, Jesus is with you. And, and, I, and I know it's tough what you're going through. And I know this person had to die. And, uh, and he said, yeah, but Jesus rose again. And I said, yeah, but, but your friend will rise again too. See, so for those of us who know the Lord, we can have that confidence that death doesn't have the final say. It's swallowed up in victory, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And so we need to take hold of the truth that God has given us, and we need to give it away. God was conceived by the Holy Spirit. The virgin birth is real. God came in the flesh, and a man, as a man, he suffered. And as a man, he died. And as a man, he rose again. In Isaiah chapter 9, this famous Christmas text that we see probably plastered over many of the refrigerators or in your mailboxes right now, um, I want you to see the, the fully God and the fully man in this text as I begin to wrap things up. It says, for unto us a child is born. There's the fully man. Unto us a son, the son of God, is given. He's fully God. He's fully man. As we conclude, I want you to think this Christmas, because I don't know if I'll see all of you on Christmas Eve, but I hope I do. And if I don't, again, I hope you have a wonderful holiday on behalf of Connect. But I want to conclude by just taking you back to the beginning and a final thought. Um, all the way back in Genesis, may not seem very Christmas-like, but think about this for a second. What if Adam had not sinned in the garden? Now, we know that, um, of course, he was there. We know that he didn't protect his wife and uh, cover her. And we know that he actually did sin. But let's just say that he was on the other side of the garden when Eve and the serpent were doing their thing, and she ate of the fruit alone. I submit to you, the conversation could have been something like this when God the Father shows up there in the garden. He comes down, and he finds Adam, and he comes to Adam, and he says, Son, uh, I'm, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but the bride that I made for you has sinned. She sinned greatly. The one thing I asked her to do, not to do, she did. And because of that, the penalty of that ultimately is death. She's going to have to die. Now, we know that didn't happen, but can I tell you what what actually did happen? Uh, Thousands of years later, God the Father said to the Son of God, He said, Son, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but the bride that I made for you, that you love so much, uh, she sinned, and she's going to have to die. And what's amazing about our Lord and Savior is that his response wasn't too bad, too sad. His response was, uh, I'll die for her. I will take 
the penalty of that. Uh, uh, he spoke up quickly and said, I'll die for her. I want my bride to live. And whatever it takes to have her live, that's what I want. That's the Christmas story in a nutshell. Would you stand on your feet? Let me pray for you as we conclude. Thank you, Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, uh, I would love it if some leaders would come down front here to support me. Um, with, if you're here today and, and you need prayer and you, you don't want to go out of here today without somebody to pray with you, please, please, please take full advantage of the men and women of God here to just be able to pray with you and support you. I know there's things that you're going through. We want to pray that God of all comfort be there to comfort you. The Bible says that the prayers of a righteous man or woman of God are powerful and effective, and they accomplish much. Please receive prayer. I don't care what you need is, what's going through your life. Uh, we serve a God who is great. We serve a God who is great. And again, with every head bowed, every eye closed, just honoring the person to your right or to your left, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? We said, I believe in the virgin birth, and I believe that he came in the flesh, but I believe he's saying something to you today personally. He wants to instill something in your heart. You might have been a believer for many, many years, and he wants to speak to you uh, something personal. What is that? Capture that and apply that to your heart. Don't let, don't let, that, don't let that go away. Don't miss. Don't marginalize such important truth as you go into the Christmas holidays. Maybe you're here today and you've never heard the Christmas story like that. You never understood it to be like that. You didn't really get it at all. And you don't want to miss an opportunity to connect with the Savior of the world. Jesus is the reason for the season. Jesus came at this time, in this, in this season, to save us from our sins, from our own destruction. And you're at a place right now where you realize you can't save yourself and only God can save you. And it's not an acknowledgement that you're, you're unintelligent. It's not an acknowledgement that you have no capabilities or abilities. It's just an acknowledgement that you're, you're created as an interdependent being, that you need God in your life and you express it in this life. You're meant to be in relationship with God and your life will not be fulfilled or complete until you are in relationship with God. And if you've never done this before, I promise not to embarrass you or call you out, but right there in your seat, you can have a moment between you and me and God and all the angels in heaven who will quickly rejoice when another sinner comes home. And if that's you and you want to give your life to Christ, would you raise your hand so I can pray with you and say, that's me, good and high and boldly just declare, that's me. I don't want to miss it. God bless you guys. Is there anybody else that I missed? All the way in the back, thank you. I see your hand at the back there. Anybody else? Don't want to miss that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Church, would you just pray this with me? And those that raise your hand, this prayer won't save you. Believe it in your heart will, though. It's settled. It's settled when you believe this in your heart. You don't have to pray this every single week because you make a mistake. Your sins are atoned for once and for all. You just pray for those mistakes so that you just your communion with God is better and is improved. But your relationship with him, you're not divorced from him because you make a mistake. You're still in relationship with him. Your relationship might be strained by sin, but it is not over because of it because Jesus came in your life today. Church, pray with me. Say, Jesus, I believe in the virgin birth. I believe you were conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus, I believe you came in the flesh. God with us, Emmanuel, be with me in my life, in my situation, in my circumstances, in my relationships, in this season. Be with me, God. I put my trust, my faith, and my hope in you. Today, 
I transfer my allegiance, my faith from me fully to you, fully God. I trust you, God, with all that I am. Save me right now in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord God, that every person who said that prayer, Lord, that you would just settle their eternity once and for all because they've experienced and accepted grace because they've embraced the truth. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you and we give you praise. Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap all over the room? Amen. Amen. Amen.